No video this morning, no video testimony. I want to get right to the word. There's really no video I could even find that would touch what I'm about to touch, what God's called me to speak on this morning about the spirit of perversion. He's been setting this up. You know, God's setting this up through all the other sermons on getting free from a religious spirit, a critical spirit, a judgmental spirit, uh, 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 all these other things that will uh, being offended. I mean, I spoke on the spirit of offense, people getting offended last week. I think God said, you need to preach on the offense before the Sunday you preach on the on a perversion because you're probably going to offend a lot of people, but you're not going to take up the offense. Amen? Because this, some of this is going to offend you I, I, because the word of God offends. Because when the truth comes out and you're living a lie, you get offended. I get offended. Because we've allowed some things to come in, and I think there's no better Sunday to do this than the day that we honored and prayed for our children to get into our school system. Because, listen, our school systems across this country and across the world are full of perversion. And until we take a stand where we need to take a stand, church, we are going to just fall into the same trap, and our kids are going to go through the same crap that we've gone through because we've, we've, we allow the lie to come in. And I'm talking to parents this morning probably more than anybody. I'm talking to parents. I'm talking to students, of course. I'm talking to everybody. But I'm talking to, listen, because of what God has laid on my heart, this is probably one of the most difficult sermons I, ever, I am ever going to preach. I, I, I'm just saying that because I, I'm, the enemy's attacked me. He doesn't want me to be up here this morning. No way, no how he wants me to preach this sermon. It's not going to be the popular sermon you're going to see on. on uh, it's not going to make the, the viral videos because nobody wants to hear the truth anymore. But y'all want to hear truth this morning. So I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time com- commentating or uh, uh, commenting on the things that, that I really want to speak. And let's just the Holy Spirit tells me because I want to let the scriptures speak to us. I want to let the scriptures speak to us. Isaiah 520 says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We live in a time where preachers don't want to preach the word of God anymore. They want to tickle the ears of people. Because if I preach the truth, you know what? Oh, Joe Blow that gives a lot of money. He might get offended and he might leave. People might leave because they don't want to hear the truth. So they're going to get up and leave because, oh, I want to go where I, want to go where I can feel good when I come out of church. Listen, I want to tell you something. The truth will make you feel good. If you'll embrace the truth this morning, your child was running out. I, I, had the, I, was, I was hit by a car when I was like five years old. And some of you are going, now that's what's wrong with you. You know, <laughs> I ran out. There's somebody, I, I don't remember it much, <laughs> but I was told that I was chasing a butterfly that, ran, that was flying out into the street. And I just right after the butterfly, this old Studebaker, some of you don't even know what a Studebaker is, but they're the ugliest car ever made. I got hit by the ugliest car ever made. They had a nose cone on them. They're weird looking. And, 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 and thankfully, the, the man driving the car, or woman, I don't know who it was, probably a woman. And, and she, she said, I've already offended some people. Don't take up the offense. See how easy it is to get you under your skin? Anyway, that, the car slid and hit me and rolled me down the street. And they took me to the hospital. And they said, he's okay. His, his, head, his head is hard, you know. But I want to tell you something. Parents. If you're not around and your child is standing on the side of the street on the curb and I'm there, I'm there, Pastor Harold's there, and I see your kid and he's about to run out the street and I see a car coming down the street. And as a parent, what would you want me to do? 
Oh, I think God will just take care of that child. You know, if it's God's will, that kid's not going to get hit. I'm just, I just think that that person in that, I'm just going to hope that driver of that car is not going to run over that child. Is that what you would want me to do? What would you want me to do? Scream, yell, run, grab the child. Don't, don't go out. You know, you, that's what God has called me to do this morning. Scream and run and keep you from stepping out in the street and getting hit by the world. Hitting by perversion. That's, that's what God's called me to do this morning. I don't think, you know, indifference about the body of Christ is what, caused, what has brought our world and our, the church today to where it is. It's denigrated. It's watered down the truth. It's sprinkled it down. It has tickled the ears of people. And now we have churches that look like social clubs. We have, we have churches you can just join and you have a membership and you pay so many dues. People, you see, well, you, you pay your tithes. That's not your dues. Well, that's what you do to God. But this is not a country club. I'm not here to make you feel good and we're not going to go play 18 holes after this. Or go swimming. Unless you're crazy enough to go play 18 holes of golf in this heat. So, scripture. I told you scripture. 2 Timothy 3, verse uh, 16. All scripture, say all scripture. all scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The message says it this way. There's nothing, there's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. So this morning, you're going to hear a lot of Scripture. You're going to hear God. Isaiah 55, 11 says this, So shall my word be that that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Father, today, in Jesus' name, I pray that your word would not return to you void. I pray, Father, that the people would have open, receptive hearts and minds to the word of God. Father, that distractions will go in Jesus' name. They won't be thinking about what they're going to do after church. They're not going to think about bills. They're going to be thinking about relationships. They're going to be thinking about you. Their mind is going to be set on you. The word of God is going to permeate and penetrate their hearts and their souls today and their minds today. And we are going to receive revelation from your word today, in Jesus' name. Would y'all say, I receive that? that. Romans 1. It's the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome. He hadn't been there yet. He writes this to the church. It's a different letter than any of the other letters he's written. It's probably one of the most studied letters of all that uh, Paul ever wrote. Now, I want you to stay with me. I want you to be alert. If your neighbor nods off, slap him. You have my permission. Lightly. Are y'all attentive? Are y'all ready? I'm really, I'm telling you, I want you to keep up. Romans 1. For I'm not, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. If you're not a Jew, you're a Greek this morning. You're a Gentile. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. 
as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's perversion, church. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Say, I'm without excuse. I because, I, because all they knew God, because all they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile, futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, listen, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God has given them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. That's perversion. I'm going to read that again. Verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature, the create the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For a, even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness. They are whisperers. They are backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of what? Death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. 2 Timothy 3, 1. But know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Look at verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, what? Turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That was not me. I did not write that. You got an issue? Take it up with God. 
That's God speaking. That was God speaking. That's God speaking today. His word is alive today. Say today. And I believe that most of you would agree that we live in perverse times. Would you agree with me? There's perverseness all around us. The word pervert means to distort, to turn aside from the right path, to corrupt. And as we just read in Romans 1.25, it means to exchange the truth of God for a lie. My question to you this morning is, what is your responsibility? What is my responsibility as believing believers, as Christians in this culture, in this society? What is our responsibility to, to this culture, to this society? What has God called us to do and how are we to do it? Because it looks like we're losing the battle. You know, I, I thought about there's so many videos I could have shown about so many things that are perverted. There's not enough time. There's not enough things that I could put on this screen. And there, there are just too many things I could put on this screen to show you the perversion in our world. And you know it's happening. And it's coming into your living rooms, too. And it's coming into your video games. And it's coming into what you're listening to on your own. When you, put that, that list, when you start listening to what you're listening to, it's coming in through Facebook. It's coming through Instagram. It's coming through all the other grams. It's coming through all social media. It's through TikTok. It's coming through all those things. And we're allowing it to come into our homes. And you wonder why your kids are messed up. Because of what you're allowing them to see and what you're allowing them to hear. And watch. But it's, the thing is that you're doing it too. We're all doing it in some form or fashion. And we go, oh, man, I can't believe my, my kids need deliverance. No, they need a mom and dad that love them and teach them the truth and get them out of some of the stuff that they're involved in. I don't think spanking's the answer. I think teaching them the truth is and living the truth is. Turn to Philippians, uh, Philippians 2. If y'all buckled in, I forgot to tell you to strap in. You know, we had some people visit in, in last week and as a couple of guys, and they left early. They, they, after, they left early about, I think, about the time we got to the preaching part. <clears throat> Brother Cam stopped them and said, man, what's going on? Is there anything? Uh, is there a reason you're leaving? They said, yeah, it's too long. It's too long. We're, we're in an hour in the presence of God. That's just too long. See, what we've conditioned, but how many of you watch a movie that's two hours or three hours? You'll, you'll watch it, and you'll sit down, and you, of course, you can pause it, and you, you can go to the bathroom, but, and a lot of y'all pause and go to the bathroom. I know that. <laughs> but we are so conditioned. You'll play sports at an 105-degree weather. I went and watched, I watched jazz play the other day. I couldn't make it but a half. It was 105 or 110. Felt like about 200 degrees out there at ASU. And I thought, how do those girls do that? Man, I'd be two minutes, they'd be take, taking me off in a stretcher. But we'll give up so much of our time to do so, some things that really are not necessary. And yet when they say, oh, you're out, your church services are two hours, well, I'm going to go where it's 45 minutes. Because I like to beat the rush to wherever. Are y'all in a hurry this morning? <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Philippians 2.5. The same person that wrote Romans wrote Philippians. Understand, it's, it's Apostle Paul. He's writing, he's writing from, pr from prison. He says this, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Say obedient. obedient. To the point of death, even the death of the cross. Verse 9. Therefore God also highly exalted him and, and, given, and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Those in, on earth, those of in heaven, and those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The first thing I want you to see this morning is we've got to have his mind. He said, let this, be, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It is a choice. It is a choice. It's a choice. If you're going to let his mind be in you. Now, the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. It says that. And, and there's, if there's a great explanation of that. It doesn't mean that we're as smart as God, that we know all things. It doesn't mean that. It, we, it means that we, we should think like Christ thinks because, the way he, because we know the word of God and because the spirit of God is in us. But we have to make a choice every day. Not just every day. You have to make a choice moment by moment if you're going to allow the mind of Christ to overrule the mind of Harold or the, your mind. You understand me? So don't to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And he goes on and talks about how that happens, and part of it's through humility. But we've got to allow the mind of Christ to start controlling us, and you can't allow the mind of Christ to control you if your mind is controlling you. If you're making all the decision, if it's all about you, what makes you feel good? What do you want to watch? What do you want to listen to? I don't want to go to church that long. I want to go somewhere else. I want to do this. I want to be. See, we always, we're, 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 we always want to please ourselves. And God said, that's not, the way, that's not the way he designed us. He didn't design us that way. He said, I want you to have the mind of Christ. I want you to be like my son who humbled himself to the point of death so we could have eternal life. See, people, this society, this culture we live in for, as Christians in America especially, I don't know what it would happen if we were forced to to either give, say, I love Jesus and would be killed? Or what, what would we do if we came to that point of persecution? What would happen in the Church of America? I'm afraid it would fold up like a really cheap suitcase. And people go, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I recant, I recant, I recant, I recant. See, we, the thing is, are, I'm not asking you if you're willing to die for Christ. He's not asking you that necessarily here this morning either. He said, are you willing to live for me? Are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ or, you, or not? Are you willing to take a stand at work or not? Are you willing to say no to some things that your children say? Well, the, the neighbors do it. My best friend does it. They watch it. Their mommy and daddy let them watch it. Why can't I watch that? We could have the mind of Christ. If we think like Christ, church, we will step into another realm of victory. If we start letting the Christ control our thought life, we have to choose to do that, though, this morning. It's awfully quiet in here. Proverbs 22.5 says, twisted and perverse lives are surrounded by demonic influence. If you value your soul, stay far away from them. I want to ask you this morning, what are you involved in? What are you watching, listening to, allowing to come into your eye gate and your ear gate? What are you allowing that is perverse? Because the Bible says, if you value your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions, you'll stay far away from them. 
But, Pastor, I'm addicted to it. Well, then get delivered. But, Pastor, I like it. Well, God hates sin. You need to hate what God hates. Psalm 101.4 says, Every perverse and crooked way I have put away from my heart. That word heart can also be translated mind. For I will have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. Nothing to do. And we compromise and compromise and compromise. We don't say nothing. Uh, that's not too bad. A little of that is okay. You know what a little leaven does? It spoils the whole yeast. I mean the, the dough. Little yeast destroys it, puffs it up. Pride. And, God, and Jesus said, I came humbly. I came not to be served, but to serve. Philippians 2, verse 12. Verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to, his, to, to will and to do for his good pleasure. The, thing, the next thing I want you to see this morning is not just about his mind taking over your mind, but his will taking over your will. His will. Your, his will be done, not your will be done. Your will, is, is, that's, that's your flesh. What you want to see happen in your life. And if it's not, if it's separated from what God wants to see happen in your life, you need to separate from it. You need to come back to the will of God. When our minds are aligned with the mind of Christ, Christ can begin to walk powerfully. We can begin to walk powerfully in his will for our lives. How many of you want God's will for your life? See, not, not, listen, you're raising your hands, but do you really mean that? Do you really say, I want God's will for my life? Because if you do and you say, God, I want your will for my life, then he's going to require some things. So we're all, oh, all to Jesus I surrender. Do you really? Do we really? All except those things I like to hold back. When we come to a healthy fear of God, he says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means our salvation to God is important. See, oh, I got saved when I was 17 and I'm, I'm good to go. Not, that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about that initial salvation experience. He's talking about your salvation experience all the way to the day you say when Jesus says come home. The day that you have your last breath on, on earth, your next breath in heaven, that's the salvation experience he's talking about, the sozo of God. He wants everything in our life to come into alignment with his will. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's always, he's the Holy Spirit's within us, and he's bringing our spirit and our, our, our emotions, our mind and our will and our emotions, our soulish realm. He's trying to bring our soulish realm into alignment with him. And that's perfection. And we all know, well, well, we can't be perfect. No, we can't. We're not perfect. God, Jesus Christ in us is perfect. But he's calling us to perfection. He's calling us to maturity. He's calling us to purity. He's calling us to holiness. And we don't like to hear those words anymore because those don't line up with our ideas. Nobody's left yet. It won't matter because we locked the doors. I've got to let you laugh once in a while. <laughs> Verse 14, Philippians 2. 
Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The third thing which you see this morning is we have his mind, his will, but it's our light. And that's the light of Christ in us, but he says your light. It's, it, it's, it's, we're lights. You're either a dim flickering light or you're a bright light or your light's out. Your batteries are dead. I don't know. If you had to gauge what your light was like right now, and were you, are you shining in the world? You know, we can sit around and say, do everything without grumbling and complaining. We can sit around and complain about how bad things have gotten, or we can do something about it. We can play the blame game. I can blame, I can tell you a lot of things I can blame. I mean, I've watched so much stuff trying to find something. And I just said, you know what? The Bible's going to stand on its own. The Word of God is going to stand on its own. Y'all know what the perversion is. Y'all know what you're allowing in. You're probably, you may be allowing things in that I'm, I wouldn't have a clue about. But ultimately, it's our responsibility as children to God, he says, to shine in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. You know, when, when, when Paul wrote Romans, did you know that it was, so, it was way worse than it is actually in America now when he wrote it? They had churches there that you could just go and have sex. It was a prostitution. There were just churches of prostitution, temples. You could go worship uh, goddesses and have sex. That, that was, hey, let's go to church, <laughs> you know. That's how it was back then. It was homosexuality was it was it was the norm. Nero was a you know all, all the great leaders back then. They had they they were abusing children back then. I mean, this is nothing new. What's happening in our culture today? But I'm telling you, back then, even though we we things got started over, kind of kick started over when people came to America and said, "We're not going to do that. That's not going to be who we are anymore." And over the years, over the years, over the years, what's happened? There's things that 20 years, 30 years ago, I never thought I would see in America. Never thought I would see them in America. Because the lights have gone out. Turn to Luke 11. <clears throat> no one, verse uh, 33. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it under a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand for those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. That's the eye gate. Therefore, when your eye is good, what are you watching? Your whole body is also full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. Does that make sense? If all what you're watching is dark, you're going to be full of darkness. Therefore, listen to this verse. This is a very important verse. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Really? I saw it, but I didn't receive it. I would venture to say the church in America today, that there's a lot of darkness where people profess to say, I'm in the light. And that's why we're not shining as a church. That's, not, that's why we're not shining like we should in our communities, in our schools, in our places, in our places of work. We're not shining anymore because the love of Christ has been overshadowed by the darkness of the enemy. Snuffing out the light. If then your whole body is full of light, having no, 
having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. Matthew 5, 14, you, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Think about that verse. Think about it. Let your light so shine among men, women, to the, the people around you. Let your light so shine. It should shine so bright. They don't give you glory. They give our Father in heaven glory. When's the last time somebody said, man, I, I see the light of Jesus in you, and I just want to give thanks to God for who, what I see in you? That should be the norm. He said, let your light so shine among men. We've got to be a light in the oil fields. People, I know, I know guys in this church that have worked in the oil fields, and, and they would come and they said, Pastor, I got a good job in the oil field. I couldn't find anything else. I got a job in the oil field. And I went, my first thing was, oh, man, the, the oil field, it, man, it's perverted. And they would say, I know, Pastor. I know, Pastor. And they would go out there, and, and, and they would start out strong in the oil field, and they'd be that light. And after a while, all of a sudden, you didn't see them anymore in church. All of a sudden, their light was going to poop because they started going back into the darkness started listening to the darkness, started watching the darkness. And that applies into so many fields, not just the oil field. Be sure the light in you is not darkness, Jesus said. Don't you know the Pharisees were going like, what do you mean? The light in me is not darkness. That doesn't even make sense. But it does. You're the light of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the light of the world. Are you shining? Well, I tried to shine, and I got a shiner. <laughs> he didn't like what I had to say. See, I interspersed laughter in there to ease the tension in the room. <laughs> laughter is good medicine. Are you still with me? Yeah. I know this is heavy stuff, but again, blame God, not me. Verse 16, Philippians 2, 16. Holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You know, that, that sounds like a pastor would be writing that, wouldn't it? But it also could be parents writing that. I had to get into the word, Pastor. I'm holding, I'm holding on to the word. Because I don't want my life to be in vain or what I poured in my kids. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Lord, I, my, my pastor, I've been sowing into my children. I've been pouring into my children. Listen, that's good. Keep doing it. Don't give up on that. Even if you see your kids wander away, you keep pouring into them. You keep speaking truth to them. You discipline them with love. You speak the truth and love to them. You set the example for them. I can't stress enough, and you know this every week, how important it is to be in the Word of God as a family, as an individual. Hebrews 4.12 in the message, I love this. God means what he says. 
God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one can resist God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. His word is truth. His word is hunting you down. Having the mind of Christ, living in God's will, shining like lights and being filled with the word of God and not just hearing the word of God, but absorbing the word of God and living the word of God. Paul addressed the perverse generation in that way. So how did Jesus address the perverse generation? Matthew 17. Almost done. Matthew 17. Verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, to Jesus. And he said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of him, the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So I was looking at this because I, you know, I did word search, perverse generation, and this came up, and I'm like, well, why would he call him a perverse generation? And he says, how long shall I be with you? And I'm thinking, well, he's only been with them like two, three years. He's been teaching them. Why would he think that they're just going to change overnight? And he had to, they had to, I had to get an understanding of this. He's speaking to his people. They knew him from the beginning. He's been prophesied from the beginning. He's the great I am. Prophecy after prophecy. They knew that Messiah was coming, and they missed Messiah. But they knew through Scripture, talks of Jesus all through Scripture. And he says, how long shall you have the truth and not believe? See, the perverse generation was because of their unbelief, their faithlessness. He, said, he says this, oh, faithless and perverse generation. See, if we're not walking by faith, then we're walking in perversion. Do you understand that? If your life is all about how you're going to do it and how you're going to do and it's all about your flesh and what, how you're going to accomplish things and whatever it is about you and, and how you want to be happy, if it's all about you, listen, you're, you're walking in perverseness, not righteousness. It's, it, he's called us to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm sorry to say that I think most Christians walk by sight and not by faith. We have faith for our salvation. Oh, yeah, God's grace. I, I trust him. He's, I'm going to heaven when I die. But, you know, until I get there, I'm just going to have to walk this thing out. I'm going to have to see if I can make it. See if I can do more good things than bad things. And we start walking by sight and not by faith. 
We quit praying for people. We quit. We we, we quit. We quit believing for the that God's got something better for us, and we settle and we settle and we settle and we settle and we settle. And we watch this and we watch that. And we allow this to come in because God has no place in our homes anymore because we're. A, he's called us a faithless generation. He's great. I am. That means he was, he is, and always will be. We got to let the great I am back in the house. A perverse generation is a result of unbelief. A faithless generation is a generation of indifference and compromise. How many believe that you've compromised your faith at some point? Come on, just be honest, please. Good night. Everybody in here has compromised their faith at some point in time or other. You may be in compromise right now. How many of you have ever been indifferent? Come on, be honest. You've been indifferent. Somebody around you, they needed, they needed prayer, and you were just indifferent. Yeah. Uh, leave that to the pastors. They get paid to do that. And we walk in this compromise and indifference. How many of you have rationalized and said, well, this is okay for me. It's not good for my kids, but it's okay for me. Haven't we all done that? Come on, people. But pastor, that's just too hard. I can't do that. You're asking me to be perfect. No, I'm asking you to listen to the word of God and respond to the, what God's called you to do. I have to do the same thing. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, this is the passion. It says, for God's call on our lives is not to a life of compromise and perversion, but to a life surrounded in holiness. Hmm. Not a popular word either. Holiness. Oh, he must be preaching one of them holiness messages. He's a hellfire and damnation preacher. That's the word of God. He said, be ye holy as I'm holy. Way back in the Old Testament, Joshua, after they've been into the, going to the promised land, he gave this challenge to them. This is where I'm going to end this morning. And he says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, think about that. I never, th- I read that scripture a thousand times. But he had asked me, is it evil? Do you think it, does it seem evil to you to serve the Lord? See, the church is topsy-turvy. And people are calling good evil and evil good. He said, does it seem evil for you to serve the Lord, the, the Lord that rescued you from Egypt? The Lord that brought you out of the wilderness? Does it seem evil to serve the God that loves you? Does it seem evil to serve the God who sent his only son? To die for us. He says, choose for yourselves. It's a choice that each and every one of you have to make for yourselves. I can't make it for you. Your mom, your dad, your spouse, your, nobody can make this choice for you. And Joshua says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Then he goes to the weather, the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river. 
or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He's talking about foreign gods. He's talking about gods with a little g. He's, call, he's talking about uh, Baal and all these other gods that they would fall away and they would start serving. They didn't know it. They didn't mean to, but they, they would start little by little. They would start falling back into the trap and allowing the enemy to come back in and the false gods to come back in. And ever so often, the God would send somebody and he'd say, go tear down those gods, tear them down. They're not real. They're not, they're not, we got to get back to one true living God. And they would do it. And then they would go back again and again and again and again. Things haven't changed much, church. Look around you and see what's back in. Look around you and see what's being worshiped. Find out what your kids are worshiping or who they're worshiping. There's so much evil out there and perversion and demon. Listen, it used to be hidden, but now it's right out in the open. And I could name some names and some people, some singers that your kids love and they actually worship. But I'm afraid I'll leave out some. And that'd give you a lot. Oh, that one's okay. No, you find out. That's due diligence for parents. You find out what your kids are listening to, what they're watching. It's up to you, parents. But as for me, Joshua says, and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Y'all stand this morning.